What's up, guys? Welcome to episode three of season two. Keeping things rolling. Today we're going to talk about, we have a little bit around some individual versus group training and team stuff in terms of kind of how programming differs. A little bit on how mindset differs. I know if you've been with us for a while, we've already mentioned this briefly. Today's going to be a little bit different, more so. One example we talked about before we started was this specific group based on age, based on sex, are they going to give this exercise you program the respect it deserves? So that's one example. And lots of other stuff. <clears throat> Wherever we go with all this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Get a plug to thrive program first yeah i guess um because by the time this one comes out our registration will be alive and well that's right yep if everything goes as planned which it should um so the thrive program is something that we're coming up with we spend a lot of time in a crossfit gym um this time of year crossfit opens happening so a lot of the focus in the gym is getting, from a programming standpoint for me and our affiliate, it's focused on getting people ready for the open and the volume and the intensity that's inevitably going to be occurring over the, the five weeks. Um, a big part from a coaching standpoint over the open is more about just keeping people having fun and uh, keeping people with a, with a more um, constructive mindset rather than something that's going to be detrimental to their overall fitness or health or just longevity and moving their bodies and feeling good. Um, and with that comes up a lot of questions like, well, I don't really care about CrossFit or um, not so much with the athletes inside the gym, but if I had to talk, were to talk to say my mom's group of friends who are like, they're active people. They don't care about CrossFit though. That's right. They want, but they want, want, um, Similar things. I feel like everybody who does fitness, regardless of what avenue they're taking and what sort of training methodology that they, they prefer to follow, everyone wants to uh, feel better, have more energy, and then as a side effect, uh, usually the first thing somebody says is something body comp related, but once you start digging, you find out that there's actually other reasons for it. Um, so if you come up to somebody and you're like, hey, what do, what's your goal at the gym? Like, oh, I'm trying to bench 200 pounds or, oh, I'm trying to gain five pounds or lose five pounds or whatever. And you got to dig a little bit more to get the feel good part out of yeah. it. Yeah. You know, with the, you said something interesting there. Most people at the onset, they have that initial body composition, weight loss goal. And then you kind of dig a little deeper as it goes on. I think the majority of people just aren't aware that you can actually improve your daily energy. You can actually improve the way you sleep. You can improve how well you're able to deal with stress and fitness, exercise, athletic health, quote unquote, all su supports all of that. Excuse me. And mm -hmm. I, I think the average person just doesn't really realize that. Mm -hmm. So when you said it kind of, becomes a little bit more I think as they get into it as they become more consistent they then start to realize like holy shit like the way I felt before was maybe not natural 
I was right. maybe just treating my body a little bit shitty and I feel so much better now. Yeah. So I think that's why they don't have that initial goal. Yeah, for sure. And the, the, you have to ask so many questions to finally get there. Right. And take the time that wouldn't, I say that doesn't happen in consultation one that happens in like consultation 100 yeah. most of the time when people finally start to not finally, cause it's not like you deserve their trust up front. That's a, that's a wrong word, but people eventually learn to trust that you're coming from a good place and you're trying to help um, them do whatever it is that they want to do. And then the, the little things start opening up. I'm sure it's kind of like a therapist kind of in that way, right? Kind yeah. of have your walls up on the first um, consultation and then maybe yeah. slowly the walls. Start I've never paid down. $600 an hour for a conversation with one of them, <laughs> but I imagine that's yeah. how it is. And I'm not bashing them by the way. I'm just saying straight up, like, yeah, I'd probably, probably be good for me. <laughs> yeah. Like if you want a good like gossip session, you call the person that you trust the most or like your best friend yeah. at the top. You don't go up to some, well, most people won't go up to a stranger in like Starbucks or something and start telling them their political views or how their yeah. daughter's doing in school or something like that. Some people do. I've run into that a couple of times, but yeah, the big thing, um, we, just all about <laughs> the tangents. Already. Season two is tangential. <laughs> so the Thrive program is designed to bring it back. It's designed for the things that usually take con consultation number 100 for people to finally tell us that that's what they want to um, yeah. accomplish with their fitness and wellness program. Um, and we're, we're doing the thing. We're doing the fitness and nutrition combo because that's kind of what the fitness experiment is all about is making sure that we are providing um, both ends of the spectrum and our focus in the programming from both sides is what Chet talked about. It's the sleeping better. It's more energy. It's um, mental clarity throughout the day, like not as foggy, waking up more energized, going, actually being able to fall asleep when it's time to fall asleep um, and getting up when it's time to get up instead of laying there um, with your mind racing. That, that's some, that stress response comes from a lot of different things. It's not just like work stress, life stress. Like there's oh, yeah, hormones absolutely. involved there that cause you to feel that certain way. And it can be controlled through yeah. fitness and nutrition. This is kind of a side note, but I've heard some really smart chiropractic docs, PTs talk a little bit about this before is that even, so like you said, there's so many different forms of stress and how that can manifest. One of those being, if you have like, if you have some biomechanical imbalances that you are constantly basically exposing or going through on a daily basis, that too, like is going to send out quote unquote stress signals to the rest of your body. Cause if you're like, I mean, as a simple example, like if your hip is like a little bit locked up, that's connected to your nervous system. And so if you're taking that through a shitty range of range of motion every day, that's going to feed into your nervous system, give it these stress responses, and then that's just going to feed out to the entire body. Mm -hmm. So there's this cool, another tangent, there's this cool <laughs> kind of reprogramming modality, I guess you can call it, that I've seen popping up as of late. And it's, it's kind of like, it's almost like teaching people how to move again, starting from like infancy up. Like it's, they retrain like, like do these movements that you did when you were an infant, do these that you did when you were three months. Cause they do those naturally, right? Like right. we don't teach kids how to do those. They're doing that naturally. Cause that's how they're literally how their central nervous system is programmed. 
And so by telling people to redo that, replicate that, it's kind of like retraining their entire nervous system. It's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So anyways, the reason I brought that up is because one of the major priorities in terms of the fitness workout side of things, I know with you was a big emphasis on joint health, um, stability, basically moving through movement patterns efficiently. Yeah. So that was a big one. Yeah. In all different planes of movement as well. Not yeah. just, you know, the frontal plane stuff. Um, but you know, the, the twisting, the turning, getting yourself into different, more functional patterns. You know, uh, we talk about like the lunging, squatting, jumping and all that stuff, uh, pushing, pulling, but how do you actually express those patterns in a healthy way? Yeah. That's not going to cause, um, any excess damage and, and negative damage. Obviously when you're training, there's going to be like that whole soreness that you, you dam damage and then recover from that. Um, however, we want to do it in a, in a productive way. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, a real, real big focus. And from that increases the resiliency of that individual, right? Yeah. If, if you've been in these positions, um, falling and landing weird may not result in the same sort of injury compared to someone who's never been in that position. Yeah. Right. Like if you can't sit on the ground with your legs crossed, maybe we should start with something like that. Right. right? If you, um, can't go from laying on your back to standing, how do we train that pattern to make yourself, um, able to do that? Simple things like Turkish get ups and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Something that you would see as an example of that. Um, <clears throat> getting, you know, walking up the stairs, simple patterns like that. Um, now, is this like a complete repatterning, almost like geriatric sort of program? No, I'm simplifying the, the movements quite a bit here. Um, but that is a really big priority. And you're going to see that in more of the warm-up cool-down sections of the of your workouts. Right. That's not your entire workout. But it's really important to retrain those positions and yeah. um, kind of explore those end ranges of the joints. Wicked, yeah. So this is, it's really a, almost like a rebuilding program. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a gross oversimplification, but that is... Like you said, that's a priority. We talked we talked a little bit about this in the in the first episode too. So if you want more details on it, check that out. Mm -hmm. But we said we emphasize this is not for the competitive athlete. This is nope. for the individual who doesn't really care about the CrossFit Open. Hell, you may not care about CrossFit at all. Right. And that's that's cool. This is for you. Yeah. So it's about becoming functional, becoming more athletic. Like you said, improving body composition, improving mechanics, how you move, right? Just becoming healthier, right? And you hit on a bunch of those key variables at the point as we are focusing on through nutrition and fitness. We want you to improve energy, your mental function, just how you feel on a daily basis. Right. We want these workouts to help the rest of your day, not take everything yes. out of you, so you have nothing yeah. left for the rest of your day. Yeah. Right. Which would be more of a competitive athlete sort of approach, where it's like. This workout's my priority for the day. Yep. This program is for people that have a lot of other priorities and they want to feel better, and that's what this program yeah, is. Exactly. For. 
Yep. And we're not going to spend a lot more time on this, but I'll say that I implemented a basically a, a three level tiered system, if you will, for the nutrition. So basically you'll complete a short assessment and then based on your results of that assessment, you'll be placed into level one, two or three of nutrition recommendations. So basically what I'm doing with that assessment is essentially I'm picking up on clues of your metabolic health. So how well you're able to deal with a sugar load or how well you're able to control your blood sugar throughout the day. And then based on that, well, then I'll give you quote unquote custom because it's as custom as you can make it with a general program, right? Custom recommendations based on, okay, this should be your amount of protein, fat, carb intake. These should be the foods you should prioritize, the supplements to prioritize and how to work that into your training program because it is all in one platform. It's all in True Coach, which yeah. is wicked. That's a cool thing too. When you guys sign up for this, um, you get your own True Coach true coach account yeah. and all of your workouts and your nutrition stuff is all in one place. And Chet and I can both go in and take a peek and yeah. see how you're doing. Um, may provide some feedback if it's needed. If not, we'll let you keep on keeping on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really cool platform. If you haven't heard of it, true coaches. It is it. sick. It's uh, yeah. It's, it's so tough. yeah. If you guys want more information on that, check out our Instagram page at the fitness underscore experiment or go to the website, which is now linked and check it out there. Sweet. Cool. All right. Let's talk about uh, some fitness. I got thinking like you're doing um, some work with the Guelph. It's hard to say. Guelph yeah. <laughs> Griffin's hockey team. Guelph. <laughs> Guelph Whiffins, jeez, um, and it's kind of like it's a cool experience because this is a competitive group, obviously, um, and any team has a diverse group of people that are yeah. on the team. Um, not everyone is a, the same athletic ability, um, nutrition focus, um, <clears throat> motivation, like some. People might be playing hockey because they want to be a professional. Some people might be playing hockey because it helps them at the bar. <clears throat> Very right? true. Like, there's a lot of different motivations as to why people do things. Um, so we can kind of yeah go down this little rabbit hole and see what we can dig up. Well, definitely. I don't. I don't pick up on it as much anymore from the from the nutrition consulting side of things as I did when I was playing. So what I'm talking about is I don't pick up on the differences that the players have in motivation for nutrition. Not as much as I, like when you're on a team, when you're part of a team, you're obviously like, you're literally with those guys like five hours a day. So you know who on that team is motivated to work out harder, eat healthier and which guys are just, dump trucks basically you know, <laughs> yeah. like crap and sometimes those are the best players on the team which is just kind of how it goes but yeah anyway so yeah i don't i don't pick up on that as much anymore from my side because i don't spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with these guys but that being said it is still it's definitely still a factor like i have to and i i think about that every time i write a plan for these guys is is this too much? Like, am I giving them 
you know, like, am I giving them too much information where they're just, like, they're not going to apply all of this because it's, mm. it's literally just too much and they're not that into it. It doesn't mean they don't care. It just means, you know, maybe they don't have the time, maybe they don't have the resources, whatever the reason. So I kind of have to make that distinction between, like, am I writing this program for an NHL team or am I writing this program for a CIS program? Mm-hmm. If it were up to me, I would just give them everything. But ultimately, like I said, they just don't have the full resources. Um, like not every player on the team can go out and buy like 15 different supplements right? so that I can tell them, you know, these days you're taking these ones. These days after a long road trip, especially if you've been flying, you're taking these ones. If you're poorly recovered, focus on these ones. Like we just, we just don't have access to that. But it's yeah, it's definitely something I think about. Um, but that being said, like it is, it is still a high level, I and mean, most of them are actually very, very willing to put the extra time and commitment into applying these things because the majority of them want to. At this level, the majority of them want to play some level of pro hockey, whether that's like Europe, um, East Coast AHL, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's cool. It's fun working with them. <clears throat> Um, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of the differences between, so say if I was helping them as like individuals versus helping them as a group, because mm-hmm. that's another thing where, and this kind of ties into the thrive a little bit, like you can only do so much one-on-one, 100% customization. Like there's 30 guys on the team. So for me to make a, 100% customized meal plan for every single guy on the team is yeah. like the university better be hiring you and paying you exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's a full-time job. They don't pay me enough to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> kind of get like from a financial standpoint for you, like you have to decide how much time that money is worth yeah. uh, for you and how much you can allot out of your week to provide them the highest value for the time that you're able to commit for that amount of money. Yeah. And that's just kind of the balancing act yeah. of doing what you're, what you do. Yeah. Um, but how, how like you work? So how does it, the program work? Do you write one thing for the whole team? So basically, so I'm just starting with them this year. Like I worked with them last year as well. I already made a bunch of different changes this year. I have made it a lot more customized than I did last year. So, you know, I love my assessments. I'm using more assessments this year. I've already sent it out to every single guy on the team. Simple, like, 15-question questionnaire that to a lot of people would probably seem pretty, like, meaningless and careless. But a lot of information from my side of things. So it just little questions like, um, you know, do you – do you have more energy at the start of the game versus the end of the game? Or like, do you, do you feel great period one and then crash period three? Um, how they feel at the end of like a two or three game back-to-back weekend, you know, do they, do they kind of crash? Um, same thing. You could look at the season as a whole. Do they feel great at the start of the season? Then come playoffs kind of feel a little bit burnt out. Do they feel burnt out during exams? Um, how do they feel on Mondays after road trip versus home games? Um, are you able to get to sleep after games? Most guys know 
just because it's, you're so wound up. A lot of guys have caffeine before the game. Um, you know, what's your typical like game day nutrition? So there's, there's a lot in there and that's kind of, that's serving two major functions for me. I would say the one is I'm able to pick up on what the biggest priorities of the entire group are. So one of them is definitely like one of my priorities is absolutely give them tools so that they can fall asleep after a game. Mm -hmm. That's one tiny little example, but I guarantee that 90% of the guys on that team are going to say, yeah, I can't sleep after a game. So, I mean, I already know that I'm going to have to target that one, but I put it in there anyways. Um, And then from there, it's, is there, is there kind of like, subsets so is there like group abc that maybe needs some you know specific recommendations and then is there any individuals who maybe have like blatant red flags where it's like their gut is just effed and Mm -hmm. they need some you know specific guidance on that so then you would pick that up in their response and then reach out to those individuals exactly yeah yeah and then otherwise i'm i'm just writing i'm writing plans for the whole team like um, so I'll receive their practice and game schedule and I'll basically write out, you know, here's your food, what to eat, what to supplement if you want for a practice day, here's day before game, here's game day, here's when you're on the road, et cetera, et cetera. And then from there, it's kind of, I'll meet with them, usually meet with them in person. So I'll meet with every single guy on the team in one day, um, like once a month. And that's basically to just kind of check in, see how they're feeling. Um, if they've had any specific challenges with the program or that's also another time when guys will have, they'll have some specific requests or questions. Mm -hmm. And so I can kind of just address most of that just right then and there with like that immediate kind of 20 minute consult or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of just like, you know, you have your program at the start of the year, probably write another program, say like midterm exams, because things change a little bit, write another one, um, kind of as playoffs approach, because things change a little bit then as well. And then, yeah, just kind of making accommodations for individual players along the way based on the consults as as best I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I like the, and this is something that people can take from this that, like if you're listening to this, like I don't play hockey, I don't see how this is relevant for me. Chet just pointed on something that like really subtly, but something that is very important in everyone's life in general is constantly checking in, like constantly reassessing and then replanning, changing the plan, reassess and repeating that process. Like you meet with them once a month. That's essentially what you guys are doing, right? Yeah. That's like another assessment yeah, and really. then you can reassess what they're doing. Yeah, come up with a new and improved plan, and then in the process of working together over time, now these guys, although they're in on a team, they get a more and more individualized program every single time they check in with you. Yeah, and I think that's a difference, or definitely a spot where some templated things are missing because it's kind of a template, right? You're writing for the whole team. Yeah, definitely. But a template is like a one-off. So like a macro breakdown, for example, right? That's the most popular thing right now. People do this one assessment really quick, whether through email or over the phone with a coach or whatever. And the coach decides that, oh, well, these are the macros that you should be eating. And then you go off and then 
hopefully they're checking in at least with like pitchers or something like that. If it's yeah. a body composition thing, but I mean, that's, you and I both agree that that is the most minimum thing that you could possibly do. Yeah. It's, I can't even believe people, I'm going to, like, it's, I don't, well, I can't believe people pay for it. That's it, the thing. It drives I me mean, crazy. I'm happy to do it, but I just can't believe how much people charge for it. It's bonkers. Like, and it's out there. You can find it. Yeah. But it's like your, your check-ins are, did you follow the macros? Yes or no. And then here's a progress picture. It's like, there's so many yeah. more pieces to this puzzle that like your sleep and your, your recovery and your workouts. Like I've totally been meaning to like buy one of those programs just to kind of see what they are actually doing and how it works. But yeah, I don't want to waste my money right on like, I don't want to spend a hundred dollars a month on macro recommendations. So that's something yeah, that's when, crazy. Yeah. It's something when, when you guys are lit, like you guys as the listeners, like when you're, because we always encourage like shopping around, like you have to do you, you, when you're trying to purchase a fitness program or a nutrition program, you're now the interviewer, you're interviewing that coach. Don't let the coach interview you and ask all the questions. Like you need to make yeah. sure that you're going to be getting what you want to get out of it. Otherwise go to somebody else. Like I've had some people sit down with me and with the questions that they're asking, me, I'm like, Oh wow, I'm not a good fit for you at all. Like this isn't, yeah, that's I'm not going to be good for you. So like, here's, somebody else that I would highly recommend for what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and there's multiple reasons for that. Um, the biggest one is that I don't want to waste somebody's time aside from the, the money thing doesn't really matter, but like their actual time and commitment, like I don't want to waste when they could be with somebody who's actually going to help them a lot yeah. better than I can. Um, but it's the same thing with, with this situation, right? Like, um, I would hope that with a nutrition program, whether it be for a team um, or as an individual, you get that reassessment and the constant check-in so that all of a sudden now you have this perfectly customized program at the end of a season or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then also with that sport, like there's a big difference between regular season schedule and playoff schedule. Oh, yeah. Um, away games, home games, and all that stuff. So it's pretty cool that you're checking in that often with them and giving them recommendations based on what they're saying i think that's a difficult point in general to get across to people i think is the idea that your nutrition should fluctuate based on basically based on what's going on in your life yeah and i'm not saying this is necessary for everyone but if if you are like an athlete and you want to be at that top level of performance or if you're just an individual and you want to be as healthy as possible like that should be something that happens. Like you're not just, that's just the way it is. I mean, I can give you a couple examples. So the perfect example, if we stick with talking about the hockey team, guys get injured and then they're not skating every single day. They're not working out every single day. Well, you're not going to eat the same thing if you're mm -hmm. injured and not being active. Like mm -hmm. these guys eat a piss pile of carbs. So if you're injured and not, exerting yourself that amount every single day i'm i'm not going to tell them to keep pounding god knows what they're eating for carbs like right. some, yeah, yeah. most of them are still stuck in a mindset like pasta 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 <laughs> yeah no protein on the side fats are bad but anyway so an injury like i'm going to be bringing their carbs way down fats are going to be going up because those are the building blocks that you need to recover it's not from the carbs in fact that could maybe even make things worse right if you're not using those carbs you're probably going to be jacking up your inflammation yeah just turn into a jellyfish yeah exactly 
Um, I mean, there's lots of other examples. Like if you want to stick with the athlete, obviously as volume increases, then you need to at least change the macros, maybe specific foods. Injury for athletes is another example. Even what travel is another big example. Um, I don't think people realize like the toll that that takes on your body, especially flying like that kind of, that fucks you up. Um, you can even look at, this is actually something I've been talking a little bit about more lately. You can even look at how your body deals with sugar, like in the winter versus the summertime. So we're a lot, we're technically a lot more sensitive to carbs in the winter because you have to, I always say this, but people have to remember, like we're still adapted to like thousands, millions of years ago. So usually in the winter time, well, we're not going to have access to those higher sugar foods, right? The, the, the fruits and vegetables, they just weren't there. Right. And so our body makes this natural adjustment where we're, we're just more sensitive to those carbohydrates because they were never around. And they actually, there's a lot of published research on this. They, they'll bring people into the clinic, take their blood, measure their blood sugar. And they find that their, their blood sugar is way higher, not it's significantly higher in the winter than it is in the summer. And these people are fasted, right? So it's not like yeah. they just ate a bunch of cookies or anything. Right. They'll even do it in California. So that to me tells me, well, what it's, it's, it's not like the snow or whatever, right, right. like yeah. even in the winter in California, when it's not really winter, they see this difference. Well, why is that? Well, obviously these people have ancestors from Northern climates, you know, Iceland, Scotland, whatever. And so they are too still adapted to this. <laughs> so that's, that's one of the more interesting examples I would yeah, say. That's cool. So that's why I'm kind of messing around with this myself right now is just lowering carbs in the, in the winter and in the fall and then pumping them back up. Not to go on too much of a tangent on this, but another example is just, well, palate fatigue for one, which is just, you get sick of eating the same thing. And if someone's sick of eating the same things, they're more likely to go off track mm -hmm. and, you know, have more cheat meals. But I was going to say, even if you like your body will develop, an immune response if you eat the same food too often. So if someone's eating, so let's say I've been eating like strawberries for several years, every single day, feel great. And then all of a sudden I start noticing like, but I think I feel like shit after I eat strawberries all of a sudden. Hmm. Well, it's because your body will, it'll start making antibodies against that, against compounds that are in that food because it's just, it's just what happens. Like, it's just kind of like, sort of like sick from seeing it so often. Oh, yeah. So even like, even rotating foods is a good idea. Yeah. Well, I've seen like on the back end of uh, some of the VIP programs, when you're talking about like bile function. Oh, uh, that's another You give like a list too. of different options for somebody to consume. I think, yeah. um, was it like radishes and or grapefruit or yeah, like there's all these options for people. Yeah. Is that your idea there to avoid that palate yeah, fatigue? So that one... The options there is really just to find one thing that they like, ah. but yeah, the bile thing is another interesting too. This is how you can get, and again, it's hard getting this across to people. It's hard explaining to people what you do because it just seems kind of very foreign and weird, but giving, so 
the reason I'm often prescribing those bitter foods is because they stimulate production of bile. So the reason I want to stimulate bile is because that helps us actually absorb the vitamins and minerals that are in healthy fats. So let's say I, so as an example, you know, let's say I eat a couple egg yolks. So jam-packed full of lots of vitamins and minerals. We know that omega-3, choline, et cetera, et cetera. But to be able to actually absorb those, we need to break that egg down first. And to do that, the best we possibly can, you need good bile functioning. So when I do that, it's kind of, it's more often than not, it's almost like a safeguard. It's like, okay, pair this food with it because then we know that you're getting all the benefit you can out of that food. That's another trick I'll use when people are injured because like that, just as another example, like that omega-3 from that egg yolk is bloody precious when you're recovering from an injury. Mm. So we better damn well make sure that you're getting as much of it as you can. So, hey, eat a couple radishes alongside this for instance yeah i seem like again just peeking on the vip side of things it's like one person we work with together who works a lot of shift work and then the other person who's injured this biofunction thing seems to be popping up on their programs a lot more than people with more of a quote-unquote normal routine and they're feeling good already so it's cool to i'm learning things as we go here on that stuff it's fun. It's interesting. I've had a few people say that they feel like they'll feel less bloated after a, a meal that's higher in fat when they pair something like that with it, or they just kind of have like they're more alert for a consistent period of time afterwards versus before. Maybe they'd feel like a little bit sluggish after that high fat meal. Um, so yeah, and that's why I, that's one of my favorite questions with a lot of my assessments is how do you feel after high fat meals? Cause there's a lot going on that for some people, it's just not working as well as it could be. Whether right. it's, and again, it could be a hundred different reasons, whether it's genetics or, you know, stress or something just developed along the way. It doesn't really matter what it was, but if that's right. there, then we can target it. And just so, safeguard yourself a little yeah. bit. As you're talking about this, I'm trying to think, how the fuck am I going to relate this to the fitness thing? But I think I got something. So like you're talking about with um, like a templated fitness or a templated nutrition program, you come up with the things that like when you do your initial assessment of that crew or that team, you're looking at it and you're like, um, okay, what is, what is this population need the most? Like what are the yeah. key elements that we need to cover in order to optimize their performance, their health, and the resiliency really um, because athletes, I mean, especially when they're in season, it, like it's a grind regardless of what sport yeah. you play. So being resilient and being able to sustain your performance across the season and your strength and your endurance across the season into when it matters, which is going to be the playoffs or the championships is going to be super important from like a, a fitness program standpoint for a group. It's kind of the same thing. Um, so say I'm dealing with a hockey team, definitely want to work on single leg strength. Definitely want to work on more like posterior chain engagement because, um, so much of the sport is played slightly hinged forward yeah, it's just so weird. Yeah. Um, so it's not always strong, A, but also B, 
just an anterior chain is tight. Yeah. Usually, in most cases, that's the biggest thing. It's not necessarily a weak posterior chain, but the anterior, it's just hips get so tight, you know, um, psoas gets so tight through like your midline and stuff like that. Yeah. Ankles tell, get super tight. Tell your average hockey player to try and do an overhead squad and they're it's falling on their ass. It's, yeah, it's a complete it's joke. Terrible. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard to watch <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Um, so like the single leg strength stuff for sure. We need some like unilateral work just in general, um, some anti-rotational work to just be a little bit stronger. Like when I write a strength conditioning program, I'm not doing all the fancy ladders and all that shit. Um, I know like some people, stuff. And, yeah, some people are all about it. I think it's flashy, but I mean, how is that going to help somebody on skates? You know what I mean? Like if you want to be a better skater, more agile skater, go on ice, practice yeah. skating, go to power skating. Like, you know, that's a skill. I don't, I personally don't believe that can be trained off the ice. I don't, I don't see, I haven't seen anything that proved to me that like X equals X with that stuff you know yeah. like it's it's yeah, there's too many variables in there and it's just not the same you're not on skates when you're walking through a ladder right like i kind of get it for yeah. football for like route running or whatever yeah. and fast feet but it's not when are you fucking bounce around on well, your skates the thing. like you do a ladder purely on your toes whereas when you're on the ice your entire foot is essentially flat on a surface yeah and you're fixed your, in a boot you're on your toes maybe like three seconds out of every hour and that's like just kind of like those initial short choppy strides but again you can't train that off the ice because right. it's so much different it's not running yeah you don't run with your fucking kneels or knees sorry and hips like flared out to the side like yeah. that's how joe dirt runs <laughs> yeah most people yeah so it's like for me um when i'm looking at a hockey team that's what i'm focused on just those sort of structural balancings from a strength perspective and then um, energy system training uh, focus mostly on aerobic capacity recovery um, because, you know, if, especially if you're playing higher level hockey, like your shift shouldn't be longer than 40 seconds for the most part, unless you're getting stuck out there. Yeah. Um, so it's more about recovery in between and build up some sort of buffering ability for that lactic acid um, that can build up wrong words, but makes the most sense. Um, so when I'm looking at a whole team and I'm looking on those things and I see some guy whose squat is just trash, well, let's use that as an example, cause it's probably the easiest. Everyone's squat's going to look a little bit different. They're going to have different limitations based on it. So I can't look at the group, see them squatting, have one guy who has ankle mobility restriction. One guy has a load sequencing problem. One guy's left glute doesn't fire. Uh, one guy has no midline stability at all while they're squatting. One guy has no shoulder range of motion, so they can't even hold on to the barbell properly, right? Like those are all the different pieces that as I'm coaching this group, I, ha I can individually touch these people and help them, whether with their warm-up or recovery practices or something to help them squat better, right? That's what I think of when you're talking about like um, some guys – come on a little bit stronger in the third than they do the first they sl slow starters which sounds yeah. like when i hear you say that i'm like well, fuck, i don't know if i know but it, there are slow starters and it, there's obviously a reason for that that you can work on yeah um or the people that gas out in the third and just play like trash in the third period um that's kind of my version from the fitness yeah. side of things yeah that's really <clears throat> interesting 
I think there is, it's an interesting analogy. So like you kind of mentioned, so you can, your, your actual program that you're writing wouldn't necessarily change. And I'm, I would say I'm the same way, like I said, but then you're having like those, it's almost like a, it, it is, it's like an individual consult that you're having with those players. Like you said, like during the warm up, during the workout afterwards. <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting. To think about. So it's, and again, I've, that's another thing I think people maybe don't think of these things is that it's not just like the plan. In fact, that's maybe what 50% of it. It's, right. you know, it's the actual application and what you're telling to these players, athletes, humans. Yeah. And like my off ice training was let's go to the soccer field and we're going to run until somebody throws up and then we're going to stop. Right. And just like, that kind of stuck with me. I'm like, there's got to be a better way to do this. And now I'm just trying to create the best way possible to help the athletes that I work with. Um, Because that, that's not, that's not it. It doesn't build mental toughness. It doesn't build team chemistry. It doesn't build whatever nonsense that you've been, you know, kind of fed from that stuff. Like your off ice fitness program and your recovery and your nutrition should help you perform better on the ice. That's the focus is not to beat you down. I kind of think that the, just the constant, what you just mentioned, like the constant pounding yourself into the ground with aerobic work, especially for hockey is just the biggest waste of time ever. Mm -hmm. Like you could be spending those hours, even scrimmaging with players that are better than you, like on a daily basis in the summer, like that's when you're going to get better. And you're also going to be, you're out there skating 40, well, usually in the summer, your shifts end up being like 60 to 90 seconds because that's just the way it goes. But <laughs> yeah. like you're you're working on your conditioning pretty damn well doing that, but you're also working on your skills, playing against better players. So why not kill two birds with one stone? I think, I don't know, do you think that's starting to shift a little bit is like moving away from that, hey, we got to go run laps versus, well, let's focus more so on like, strength in the gym yeah yeah I, I think it's definitely going through a shift like teams are hiring coaches specific for their strength conditioning and specific for their nutrition like you've been hired by Guelph um instead of having like you know the most fit dad or maybe the not most fit dad run your off ice training just yeah to bury everybody and sit there and go ha 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 you know I remember like <laughs> like yeah. it was yesterday just dad stand there fucking dying laughing because we're all dead it's like yo how does this make me better at hockey (laughs) i I think a good example of that is i very vividly remember high school cross country and sometimes some of the most dominant runners in high school were the players that played the most hockey Mm. they never ever ever went to cross-country practice I do that in quotation marks where you're literally just as a group like you're running maybe doing hill sprints doing 5k 10k whatever different tempos usually the hockey players they would go to they'd basically go to none of those practices because they were on the ice that night and then they would only do the meets the actual races and sometimes they were like the best ones right they weren't running they were just they're working on their aerobic capacity on the ice (laughs) skating all the time So I definitely think there's like merit to having a template or program for a group and for a team, like team training at a gym or, you know, team nutrition program. But it's very important to have 
somebody who's committed as like the coach to follow up and make sure they're reassessing yeah. and, and constantly improving their original yeah. plan because that's all it is. At the, at the template's just their original plan. That's but there has to be adjustments has made on the fly. It has yeah. to be flexible. It's not a concrete system all the time. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'd, I've, I'd never heard of one that yeah. would work for everyone. That's so. why a certain part of me dies every time someone asks me for a meal plan. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's I such an innocent one, question <laughs> too, right? Like, are you uh, going to come back to me in three, four months or are you just going to stick with these foods and macros and keep pumping along? But yeah. What do you do? Yeah, it's a it's like yeah. a integrity battle too for you, right? Because yeah. you know it's like, well, I can make whatever, yeah, a few bucks doing this, but you know it's not the best thing for that person. Yeah. So it's like trying to navigate that while you know making the battle. Yeah, it's that's a tough, it's a tough one. So yeah, and I'm sure you get. Well, definitely you get the same thing. Oh, yeah. Hey, and bro, can you write me a six-week training program? Yeah, for free, too. It's like if... <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, I know. <laughs> it's like, no. <coughs> I'm a little congested. Oh, a little sure bummed up. Tell there. I just want to be like, hey, yeah, sure. Want to come clean my house? Want to come cut my grass? Want to yeah, change oil free. in my car for free? Like, pick whatever their occupation is. Yeah. I want to do this for free. So good leeway. One thing we wanted to discuss, maybe a little bit of male-female differences, I think, would oh, be yeah. an interesting point here. Yeah. So the, what I was thinking, and I actually have a good group of studies I want to mention before we get into this, because I'm sure yes. a lot of people are going to say, if I feel like Don Cherry right now, I know <laughs> all you people are going to say, it doesn't matter, but... I'm sure a lot of people say, like, it doesn't matter, you know, male, female, they're the same, it's not going to matter, training program. But the reason I want to bring this up is because definitely, and I think the group setting is a really good example of this, envision uh, a group of young males, maybe 13, 14, 15 years old, working out as a team in the gym, and then that same group, females, very similar age, how they treat each exercise is going to be like night and day on average. It's going to be so much different because those guys are just going to be like, screw you, man. I'm going to, I'm going to lift heavier than you, no matter how terrible my form is, no matter how terrible my tempo is. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if I'm 60 pounds lighter, heavier than you. I just want to beat you. It's just that right. competition aspect. Whereas females, on the other hand, I don't know this for for sure, because I haven't worked with a lot of female teams, but I'm assuming that that is a little bit different. There's not as much of the like, hey, I just want to beat you and I don't care about my form and technique. Yeah. Because they're a lot more mature, especially at that age. They're also stronger, which Way I think stronger. you'll talk about because yeah. this is interesting. But so anyways, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because they've done, well, this study has been replicated like probably nearly a hundred times is they'll measure. Obviously they're usually doing this among um, male athletes is they're measuring their testosterone, like going into a competition or going into a specific game. And then they'll monitor it afterwards based on whether they won or lost. So athletes, teams, doesn't matter. 
if you win that competition, or even if you think you won, their testosterone goes up after the competition and will stay elevated, which is to me is like, so like prehistoric for sure. It is hilarious. And then you wonder why guys are like, so, you know, you get a game of spike ball going and guys are like, a fist fight breaks out at the end because someone <laughs> yeah. like didn't follow the rules or something like it's, it's hormones. Yeah. And I think like the, the higher the stakes are in the sport and like the more, um, contactors in the sport, the higher that becomes Definitely. right. Like using your spike ball example, it doesn't get to that point until two guys bump shoulders. That's right. Yeah. Or two girls or whoever it is. Right. And as soon as that contact happens, it's, it's a whole different game. Yeah. And it's because we're animals and we can't help it. That's how it works. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Or you bump into some guy you were walking by in the mall and, and then, get he puffed up to, a then he wants to throw down like, yeah. watch where you're going, bro. Yeah. Um, now I've had experience with both male and female teams and I've noticed a trend. Um, just from my experience, I have no studies to support this because that's my end of this podcast. Chet's a study guy. I'm the <laughs> I never have studies to back up my opinions. Um, but in my experience, there's definitely so just to break it down so we're not talking like always male, female, but there's in a group of young males, there's more masculine dominant individuals than there are feminine dominant individuals. <clears throat> and I've noticed a trend that usually the more feminine not saying female, but feminine traits, those guys are the leaders on that team. The guys that are a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more thoughtful in their responses, those guys are the leaders. And you can pick yeah, them out right away. It true. doesn't take long. Yeah. Literally the very first day you work with that group, you know who's going to be captain and assistants on that team. Yeah. It's very clear, very fast. And it's usually the people that have the more feminine traits yeah. in terms of personality. The more masculine group is the group that's off pushing each other, knocking each other's hats off, you know, yeah. making fun of each other, um, you know, doing the normal, the normal quote unquote boy thing. Yeah. In a female group, there's definitely both traits. Um, there's definitely less, in my experience, there's been less masculine traits in the room. And as soon as there's a higher from what I've noticed, as soon as there's a higher percentage of feminine people in the room, the whole dynamic of the room changes and it becomes a much more supportive environment. Okay, and I'm, I'm like using feminine, masculine, not boy, girl. Okay, so the girl teams usually have more feminine traits. So those groups are more supportive. They listen a hell of a lot better than the masculine group. And the, the couple that are a little bit more masculine end up like overpowered so their ego driven focus gets diminished because they're like oh well i don't have anybody like butting heads with me here yes. so I don't, i'm not getting what i want out of this situation so i'm just going to be like everybody else because usually more masculine people are followers anyway they're not leaders um just if you like look at those two personality yeah. types that's kind of what comes up um so that makes the female group a dream to deal with they're, they're focused. They really ask questions. They want to learn. 
and they get strong as shit real fast. Like the girls that age compared to the guys that age, I don't, yeah, they're a little bit more mature, probably more of them have hit puberty at that age than the guys have. Um, but fuck, they get super strong, super fast and they're, they're focused more. They remember the weights that they lifted last time, things like that. You know, they're paying attention. Yeah. The more masculine group, which is typically the more male dominant groups, teams like the young boy teams, it's a shit show. They don't know what's going on. I asked That's them the best do, way to describe it. I asked them to do a bas- back squat on week 12, and we back squatted every week. They're like, what's that one again? There's not, they have no idea what's going on. Not a clue. And you can pick this out in the CrossFit group class too. The people that oh, always yeah, ask the same absolutely. questions over and over again, typically yeah. the more masculine focused people, they're just not yeah. paying attention. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the trends that I've noticed more um, and from that point of view. And uh, I don't think one's better than the other. They're both a challenge and they're both fun to deal with, but it's just, it's hilarious to watch it all. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. So I'm assuming that, so obviously if you were to write up like a team program, these are some of the things that go through your mind as you're writing that, like, Hey, if I'm writing this and I'm not going to be there, I don't trust these boys to do this specific exercise. So I'm going to give them something else. Yeah. A quick example of that is like the female group. I can write a 20 minute AMRAP and I know they're going to know what they're doing. The guys, the more masculine, the guys group, I have to program an email where I can tell them what to do on each minute. And I have to remind them the whole way through. I have to hold their hand the whole way through. It's hilarious. But it's like, so when I'm looking at that's, that's actually a programming consideration that I make is like, what sort of focus and effort am I going to get out of this? And is it even worth trying? Like trying to get a group of guys to do like hip airplanes or something like that, or blue bridges, super important for what we need to do. I have to do it a different way for them because they just won't, they won't, do it right. <laughs> they just won't. Yeah, the things you can dig into with <laughs> specific programming considerations. Yeah, you just gotta pay if attention. You call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that was the only question I had for you on that. So, would you say? So how would that differ, do you think, if if it's more of like an individual setting? Individual is easier because I can learn that person's personality right. and apply. And I'm constantly with them, working on them one-on-one, whether it's like PT or online coaching. Yeah. You get to learn the emotional response they get to certain exercises, what, what they prefer, what really resonates with them and what doesn't and then you can yeah. base your program it's, it's all it's like it's checks and balances you know what you want to accomplish out of the fitness program but when you're working one-on-one with somebody you can truly make it theirs and make it something that they're going to enjoy and do for a long time yeah um compared to a, a template program where you're not checking in with people as much you don't have that sort of control right maybe this is a good time to mention the one podcast that we recorded last season Again, if you're a new listener, probably not aware of this one, but probably one of our most popular episodes was the one we did with Dr. Lindsay Martins, yeah. where we talked about literally some of these specific hormonal differences, changes that are going on kind of in and outside of the gym and training and time of month and what have you. And I just kind of think of that when we talk about this, because all of that is a factor here and it's, it's interesting to think about. Which is why we're going to have her on again. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's going to be awesome. 
And I think uh, just another thing with teams too, the more competitive the team is, the less you get the yahoos. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think they get yeah. they get filtered out by default. Not only not because maybe they're not as good as other players, but because coaches just higher level coaches just don't want to deal with their shit. That's right. So they're like, well, you can't. You're a bad teammate. You're a disaster in the dressing room. So you yeah. can play a level down and grow up a little bit, yeah. and then maybe you can come up. Not that they don't have the skills to make the team, but they don't have the yeah maturity to be on that. Well, team. yeah, and even just the. I think the time and commitment and resources that go into those higher level programs, right? Like, and again, this is, we're talking about averages here. Like, is there the odd kid on say like a B hockey team that has the same commitment, if not more than someone who's on that triple A team? Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. But on average, like just the, the total time that you're spending on one of those higher level teams, the amount of travel you're putting in, the amount of money that your parents are paying in and they're making you well aware of that. Like, Hey, we're paying a lot of fucking money for you to play this. We're driving you all around the province. So we want you to be like focused and actually care about this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think all that factors into it too, for sure. But there's definitely, like I said, there's still definitely exceptions for sure. Um, cause some kids just maybe more entitled than others or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know. That's another debate. I, yeah. I think so too. I think. Yeah. I think the, the most fun I had playing just using hockey as an example was on a team that the coaches did, um, player coaches meetings on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just feel, and it goes back to what you're doing with the reassessment stuff with the hockey team you're working with and why constantly checking in and reassessing what you're doing is that you get that feeling that you're important um, and that your opinions actually matter. And then also your development matters. Like the coaches are paying attention. Like we've noticed X, Y, Z, we really want you to start focusing on this. Um, you're doing this really well, but this isn't good. Yeah. Um, or on the flip side, it's like, hey, you're really sucking big time. We need you to step it up just in general. Yeah. And, like, people, totally. you need to hear that. Yeah, I think you could you could and should apply this to everything, really. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of that constant check-in and feedback and assessment. And I don't even mean just in terms of health. I mean, like, you know, wherever you're working, like, I think that should be a, a priority, whether you're the boss or an employee. Like, hopefully they're doing assessments along the way and checking in. Um, or even just if you have your own, I mean, you could even stretch that to goals, obviously like check in on your goals. Are you progressing towards those? Assess yourself. Like, why are you not progressing towards those? So I think that's just a good value in general or tool in general. Yeah. That's all we got for you today. All right. Wrap it up. We're done. Yep. Stay tuned to the Instagram account uh, for more info on our Thrive launch and whatever else we decide to get up to. Yeah, that's right. And like we already mentioned, we're going to have a lot of other new, fun, and exciting gadgets and information on the website that you can check out. Blog, YouTube videos, etc., etc. We're doing everything in 2019. Everything in 2019 has to offer. That's right. All right, peace.